Hello and welcome to the Arista Advice Podcast, focusing on your wealth so you can focus on your dreams. We'll navigate through the noise so that you can organize your life and financial health. Let's get started with your host, Paul Moffitt. Welcome to Arista Advice Podcast. We're excited to have on today's podcast, Dr. Chef Michael Fenster. He's an amazing man of high energy, high intelligence. He's an amazing person. We're excited and thrilled to have him on today's podcast. He says, you are more than what you eat. He is a cardiologist, a professional chef, and a professor of culinary medicine in Missoula, Montana. He's lived up there for six years, and before that, he lived in Tampa, Florida, and he gave up his surfboard, his beach sandals, and his swimsuit to go to Missoula to teach and to expand and to elevate his reach in this life. He's written not one, not two, but four different books, Eating Well, Living Better, The Fallacy of the Calorie, Ancient Eats, and The Food Sharma. Welcome, Dr. Chef Michael Fenster. Hey, Paul, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. And I also had to put my pirate ship in dry dock before I came up to Montana because <laughs> I couldn't do a Lewis and Clark and sail it up the river. <laughs> There's no place to park your boat in Missoula. You're right. <laughs> You're right, Chef Doctor. <laughs> I love it. Chef Doctor, tell us about yourself as we begin. So uh, I'm a, what we call an interventional cardiologist, and that means at two o'clock in the morning when somebody has a heart attack, I'm the guy that gets called. I go in, open those arteries, put uh, things like stents in to restore blood flow and stop heart attacks. Also a professional chef and actually got into cooking before I got into medicine. I had some personal challenges with uh, joints and so forth that really made me go back and examine my diet. And then those changes that helped me eventually became culinary medicine that we teach today at, at the university. I also, as I just mentioned, teach one of the only university accredited courses in culinary medicine at the University of Montana. Uh, we have a graduate level course called Introduction to Culinary Medicine. And I'm so excited to be here. I mean, I love sharing uh, this information with everybody. Wonderful. Well, we're equally excited to have you, Chef Doctor. Let's jump right into it. Question is, diet fads come and go like the seasons. And why is that, Chef Doctor Cardiologist Mike? Well, you know, I think if you look at it, most people were really looking and we're a culture. And one of the reasons that we have such an issue with diet is we're a convenience culture. We're a culture on the go, uh, particularly here in the United States. And so we're looking for basically a bottle of snake oil. That hasn't changed, you know, <laughs> since uh, those first salesmen had their carts and covered wagons out West. And, and you still see it today, right? You know, it's, you know, this quick diet or this quick fix on late night TV take this pill. So we want to take a pill. As one of my colleagues say, we like a pill for every ill. It <laughs> absolves us of the responsibility. But the only way to solve a problem is we have to work and solve the problem. Simply looking at this quick fix, when we look at the data, what we find is really almost any diet will help somebody, for example, lose weight or achieve those ends in the short term. But in the long term, they're not sustainable. And one of the tenets of culinary medicine when we developed this program is we needed to come up with a way to develop a shift in perspective, right? We have to change a lifestyle. We have to kind of change behaviors 
And it means shifting the way we look at things, the way we look at diet, the way we look at health, rebuild our relationship with food and make that relationship one that's sustainable for us as individuals. And it turns out when it's sustainable for us as individuals, and that also means not just from health, but from a time perspective, from an economic perspective, it turns out that we're also doing good things for our community and sustainable for the planet. And that's that's the perfect win-win. That's wonderful. And I loved your insight. You know, most of these diets, from what you said, are short-term fixes, and we need to look at the long-term effect of these diets. You know, one of the reasons I do culinary medicine is what you just said. People were coming with heart attacks. I put a stent in and fix a heart attack, and two months later, they'd show up again. And so it's kind of like, you know, as it's very rewarding to go in there and to fix an acute problem. But after a while, we feel as interventional cardiologists, like we're fixing flat tires on a road and people don't realize that the road they're driving on is broken glass and nails. And so we've got to give them, you know, a a new pathway, a new road. And so some of that, you know, frustration with this short-term success and long-term failure, even in in the realm of modern medicine and cardiology is really one of the tenants and one of the, the genesis drivers of what I do today in terms of culinary medicine. Love it. Love it. Thanks for that insight. As a cardiologist, how much of our heart health is attributed to our diet? Well, Paul, I'm glad you're sitting down because this is probably going to blow you away. But according to to some research, up to 80%, 70 to 80% of heart attacks can be prevented by diet. And when you look at the fact that heart disease is the number one killer uh, in the United States and many other westernized nations across the world, and you think of three people that you know, one of them is going to die from cardiovascular disease. And when we look at the data and say, wow, 70 to 80 percent of those heart attacks can be prevented if we're going to change our diet. Uh, and I think even more so when we look at things in terms of changing the food experience is what we talk about in culinary medicine. That is powerful, powerful therapy. I love it. And when you talk about 70 to 80% of deaths are attributed to cardiovascular disease, that's got to be difficult to put a beast, putting a stent into somebody and they show up three months later with another I mean, what are some things that, you know, they can do with their heart health, with their diet? Well, uh, one of them, and you and I talked about this earlier, is, is, you know, some form of exercise. That's something we we don't do much. Our societies become sedentary. Uh, so simple things. Uh, if you're going to a supermarket, the mall, when, when we, we do get to go out in the, the current state that we live in, you know, park far away. You know, don't just social distance for the sake of distance. You know, distance yourself in that parking lot because you're going to get every little bit helps, you know, even just that little bit more walking to the store. It always cracks me up to watch people drive for 20 minutes, you know, at the gym to get that parking spot really close to the door. And it's like, well, what are you going to the gym for, man? And then changing our diet and making that change in terms of a lifestyle. So that's what we emphasize, you know, in culinary medicine. And I've said that a couple of times, and I'm going to back myself up and just give you a quick definition. Because if you go on Google, for example, and put in culinary medicine, you'll get 23, more than 23 million different hits. 
And those vary from things that are run from hospitality ends, which are kind of tasty kale recipes, you know, all the way up to, to very unvetted kind of hypothesis and thoughts with no real science behind it. So we emphasize a multidisciplinary evidence-based approach to the selection and preparation of food stuffs and techniques with an eye towards maximizing health and wellness through the food experience. And, and what that really means is we're looking at science. So we're getting the best data, the best evidence that we can at the time. But we also look not just at nutrition, not just at cardiology. We're looking at things like sociology. Why do we pick the foods that we do? What are the influences? We're looking at agricultural things, how the food is grown, et cetera. And, and so often people you know, reflexively think of diet as simply the, the what's on your plate, the ingredients we're going to get to cook. But diet, you know, actually comes from the ancient Greek word diatia. And when the ancient Greeks looked at diet, it was a lifestyle. It meant actually a way of living, not just what you ate. That's what we want to get back to. We want to understand and really heal our relationship with food, which has become quite fractured. Because as human beings, when we look back at the history of humankind, we actually find that our relationship with food is that first relationship that lets us interact with each other. And you think about the bonding that occurs when a mother breastfeeds a, a child. That is the very first food we eat. And actually, when we get to things and talk about the health of our gut microbiome, which for our listeners out there, I'm sure they've heard about probiotics, take your probiotics for gut health. That's what we're talking about. That actually happens, evidence now suggests, before we're even born. And certainly at the time of birth, what's incredible is that the vaginal flora actually changes and then gives the newborn the right bacteria as it passes through the birth canal. And we think that that's one reason that newborns that are born that way and then breastfed as adults have a significantly redu uh, reduced risk of cardiovascular disease. Gosh, wow. So much, so much what you're saying. Mike. That's, why, that's why it's a course <laughs> that we teach. <laughs> now I know why you got a whole semesters after semesters and programs and degrees yep. on this. You know, and that's why you're the America's only board certified interventional cardiologist and professional chef. I mean, you're bringing both of these disciplines together. Yeah, there, there's a less than 20 professional chefs who are physicians worldwide, several of them being over in, in Europe and, and Australia, but I'm the only cardiologist chef. Wow. When we look uh, at points in terms of dietary health, the things that we generally look at are, if I eat this, is it, am I going to die of cancer? And then the flip side of that is, is cardiovascular disease. Because again, cardiovas cardiovascular disease is what kills people in this country and other industrialized nations. Yeah. No, it's, it's dangerous. And it's, you know, we talked earlier, you know, this morning I went out and biked 38 miles. And in the last three weeks, I've probably biked maybe 400 miles, maybe 450. Awesome. You know, I mean, just biking and exercising and diet and cutting off the sodas, cutting off the sugar. It's just the small and simple things we just tend to forget because we're just moving so fast and they're so essential. And I really appreciate you bringing that up. And that leads to the next question, uh, chef, cardiologist, doctor, Mike, is what are the top three things 
that our listeners can do to keep our heart healthy? Well, one that we just talked about is obviously diet. Yep. What we are finding is that the correlation, um, and this is, again, one reason to go back to your original question, why so many diet approaches change so quickly and really have failed over the last half century is that we're looking at the wrong things. Our food and food pathways have fundamentally changed. And so when we want to look at, for example, let's say meat, and we look at a grass-finished bison steak, and we look at a drive through ultra-processed hamburger, we can't view them simply as red meat. And yet that is so often the approach and the, the tack that's taken. And so no wonder that fails. And so there's a large movement actually based out of the universities in Brazil uh, called the Nova classification, which looks at food, not in terms of carbs or proteins or whether it's animal, plant or red meat or fish, but in terms of its level of processing. And what we find is a direct correlation between the ultra processed foods in the diet and our risk of disease and disability, things like obesity and diabetes and heart disease, and even things like neurologic diseases like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's disease, et cetera. Because people say, well, what's culinary medicine in a, in a nutshell? How can I practice it quickly and easily? And when you're looking at ingredients to bring home, to prepare, you're at a restaurant, again, three simple questions. How was it bred? So is this a genetic farmed salmon or is it a wild, you call it Alaskan salmon? What was it fed? So is this something that was loaded with antibiotics or pesticides or is it something that was raised organically? And then finally, where was it led? So once this was harvested, how much, if any, you know, processing did it undergo and what did that involve? And that gets back to one of the things you just highlighted, which was a, a key point, which is when we look at this ultra processed food and these refined and ultra refined carbohydrates, we find that things like sugar, for example, in the form of high fructose corn syrup, because it's so cheap when it became available in the early 1970s, is added to everything, not just sweet things. So people don't understand that when they go to get a something that you know is like a fast food burger, there's sugar in the bun, not because it's sweet, but because it the way it interacts with us biochemically and actually hits those opioid receptors in our brain and causes you to say, man, that was a, a burger. I've got to go have another one. In, in wow. a way, some wow. of our foodstuffs are like a form of opioid addiction when they're layered with sugar, salt, and fat like that. Wow. I love that three those three questions. How was it bred? What was it fed? And where was it led? That's it. That's amazing. I love that. And final question for you. What is the impact of a diet and what's, the, what's a recommended diet out there, just broadly speaking, that you would recommend? So the, the impact of diet is huge. What we are learning, and, and that's one of the reasons that in culinary medicine, we really talk about the food experience as a relationship, not just a list of ingredients that we're going to go to the store or just a meal. Because we're finding, and this is one of the things we also cover in the course, is that these softer, what I call these softer edges of this food experience, impact us phenomenally. So it's again, it's not just what we eat, 
but it's how we eat and with whom we eat. So for example, uh, we're learning that this, is, I, I think it was a fascinating study that was done. What they did is they looked at the impact of ritual on levels of inflammation while we eat. And so what they did is they had folks, they measured a baseline, and then they had folks introduced into what I refer to as the attitude of gra- uh, gratitude. So take a moment of, of mindfulness. And what they did is they then changed, they ate the same food, but before they engaged, they reflected for a moment. They engaged in the ritual. And so whether that was the Lord's prayer, whether it was thanking the food, whether it was just being thankful for everything that's in your life, that actually shifts our neurochemical pathways. And it takes us from what's called a dopaminergic reward-based pathway in the brain to an oxytocin, which some people may recognize as the love hormone. So a different type of, of pathway. And it actually starts to rewire some of the, the faulty pathways in our brain that uh, may be the result of emotional scarring, bad diet, combinations, uh, all those things. And when we looked at the hard science of that, and when people practice that, we found that in a statistically significant and meaningful way, the body's markers of inflammation were reduced. So obviously that's a goal of uh, many different modern healthcare approaches. Cardiovascular disease is based on inflammation, diabetes, obesity, the neurodegenerative diseases, inflammatory bowel diseases, inflammatory bowel syndrome, all these have their basis in, in, in out of kilter inflammation. So that simple act of changing how we eat had a huge impact. And and I'll just kind of close this out by referring back to what, what is called the Harvard happiness study, which really looked at this concept of relationships. And this was made of two different studies, what's called the Grant and the Gluick studies. And professors at Harvard now have followed people out and their families out over 80 years. And the question they asked was a simple one, Paul. They said, what is it in our life that correlates to living a long time, having good cognitive function, function when we live a long time, being healthy in, in other areas of our body's part, et cetera, and what makes us happy. So these are happy folks. So what is it? Is it, is it our money? Is it having a lot of money? Uh, is it the family you're born into? Is it where you live? Is it the car you drive? Is it your cholesterol level? Is it some genetic profile? You know, what is it? At the end of the day, what the researchers concluded was the most important thing is the quality specifically not the quantity. So for everybody who obsesses about their Facebook and Instagram likes, push that to the side. Yeah, It's the quality of the relationships in our lives. And to go back in culinary medicine, I believe, and, and, and we believe as we teach it, that one of the most fundamental, if not the fundamental relationship in our life is our relationship with food. As human beings, that sets the, the keystone for the other relationships in our life. And if, if you don't have a good relationship with food and that, thus yourself, your relationship with others is going to be faulty and fractured and all the other stuff drops to the wayside. And I, and I thought that was, that was a fascinating conclusion from Harvard University. Chef Doctor, I really appreciate you bringing in that Harvard happiness study because I've read about it and it's great to have a doctor culinary medicine professor bring that in to today's conversation, helping us 
better appreciate the importance of food and better appreciate that we are all learning. I love how you said what we are learning. We are all on this journey every day of learning and getting smarter and learning and improving the things that are important to have a full and, and rich and optimizing our lives. So I'm. It, it's been so wonderful to have you on this. And Dr. Chef Michael, how can our listeners stay in touch with you and get more uh, information from you? So if folks just want to go to www.chefdrmike, that's chefdrmike.com. Uh, they can hook up with us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you can read more about culinary medicine. You can find out about the, the course that we teach at the university, which is now available to the general public if folks are interested. Uh, that's online, and you actually get a micro accreditation, a level one certification in culinary medicine when you finish the course. And you can drop me an email at that website as well. I answer them all myself. So if that's I've had great. a rough call day, give me a day or two to get back to you. <laughs> But eventually, I, I get to them all and answer them all myself. <laughs> yeah. Whether you're in a surgical room or emergency room or in a classroom or out on the bike cycling mm -hmm. through the mountains of Montana, I, I can tell people that uh, you will get back to them. We, we are so grateful, Chef uh, Cardiologist Dr. Mike, to have you with us. And we really appreciate you taking us some time to uh, spend with our listeners and uh, the best to you and the best to all of our listeners. Have a great, great day. We look forward to talking to everybody soon. Thanks, Bob. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. This episode of the Ariska Advice Podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more advice on your wealth so you can focus on your dreams. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content. See you in the next episode.